The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Yo, with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Welcome to a brand new week of the show. On today's show, Pat Slattery's joining us in a little while. He's promised me that he's going to motivate everybody in the North East. Glenn Patton will be with us. He is a pet crematorium over in Trim. And we'll hear the story of a mead mother who had two children who contracted meningitis. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. So you can call in on 1850 But today on Late Lunch, we begin with a brand new initiative on the show. We've done it in the past, but we are bringing it back again this year. Yes, it's our unsung hero. And this time round, supporting us in this initiative, we're delighted to tell you that the Home Instead senior care team in Mead Cabin, Loud and Monaghan, are getting behind us on this one, especially for the Loud Mead area. And I'm joined today by Dermot Bolger. Dermot, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Can I ask you first, maybe to tell our listeners, why are you backing this Unsung Hero campaign this year? Uh, I suppose um, Jerry, I've, I've been talking about this for a long time with your colleague Eileen Duggan and uh, I think there's a huge number of people right across uh, the North East and that who do so much work that is never really appreciated and I think that that's the main reason and I suppose we're in that, that's, that fits in with what Home Instead is all about. So I suppose the big, big thing in that is there's a huge amount of people out there who are providing a really valuable service be it on a commercial level or on a, a community level and sometimes, sometimes we just need to step back and acknowledge their contribution to their community and to society. Well, we're with you. We're with you all the way, Dermot, on that one there. That is for sure. Now, when you look round you and think about what you do and look at life and society in the North East in general, what type of person are we looking for here? What comes to mind? I, I suppose, Jerry, it's it's we 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 live in a society now where we want everything instantaneously. We want it now. It needs to be the best. It needs to be that. And sometimes we need to just step back and think about the good things and what the good everyone is doing. And I often look at things where you look at jobs would where people get criticised all the time. Say like traffic wardens, you know. And and but if you look at them, but traffic wardens do a huge amount of good because they keep the 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 way clear. And we're big fans of traffic wardens in Home Instead because. If you know we've got older people out, if there's a car parked on the side of the road and some elderly person can't get past or whatever, that just affects them. And it's the traffic warden that's the unsung hero in that case. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You're right. Yeah. An awful lot of people would say, Dermot, what are you talking about? All they do is give us tickets and make life a misery for us. But you do make a point that there's an aspect of the work and a very important aspect that should be recognised. One that comes to my mind, if you don't mind me saying it, where I live on the outskirts of Drogheda, there is a lady that I see from time to time and down she arrives out of the blue and she starts to pick up litter all over the place you know what I mean she's not paid for it she just does it civic pride that's the type of person isn't it yeah, yeah. but the big thing with that Jerry, is people like that and even you're doing it now and I'm doing it it puts a smile on people's mm. faces when you see somebody like that and if somebody just acknowledges and says thank you and that it just puts a huge smile on our face and I suppose that's what we're doing all the time and we could do it every day if we just all of us just step back for a minute and when somebody does something for you just say thank you and the smile and, and sometimes the surprise you'll get from it. And I often think as well, you know, we, we, we all give out about the tax man and we all give out about it. But, you know, the, the revenue commissioners here, and they're extremely efficient. I mean, we're in business and they're extremely efficient. Now, I don't like paying me tax and no more so than anyone else does. And I'm sure the revenue commissioners don't even like paying their tax. But at some stage, we just have to say to them, thank you for collecting money on behalf of the whole lot of us to keep us all going in whatever shape 
we're in. And that's really what we're at. Interesting and <clears throat> interesting angles as well. We're talking mm. across the spectrum, aren't we, Dermot, uh, in life? We're talking about voluntary organisations. Mm. We're talking about people who are in, in workplaces, who do things for people unannounced, never acknowledged as well. The sporting world. Uh, uh, you, you have it in one, Jerry, And I mean, like, and, and you and me would have that in common. The one thing that I care about more than anything else in life is sport. You know, I mean, the fact that United won yesterday made my weekend. And, that was, you know, so it's that sort of thing. But if you bring that back down to, to we've all got young fellas and young girls that are playing sport. and It's even just to say thank you, not only to the coach, not only to the guy who's out front, but say the guy who's sending out the, the, the WhatsApp messages to say the fixtures are on. The, the guy or the girl who's opening the gate for the dressing rooms, all that sort of stuff. You know, when, when the lads win, you know, they win the odd competition or there's a bit of beeping around the town. Uh, and that was, You know, to the mammies who make the cup of tea. That sort of thing to say thanks very much for being such a huge part of bringing a teeny weeny weeny bit of joy to people's life. And if we can put a smile on people's faces, that's it. And that's really where it comes with unsung heroes. And I suppose we see it, we see it in our business and we're fortunate in our business that we see, uh, you know, we're in a situation where we can be unsung heroes from time to time. Now we get the other end of it as well. But sometimes, you know, the odd time people will say thank you to us. And that, and that just makes our day. Makes our now day. we're going to tell you how you can uh, get involved in this and what's in it for the person you nominate. You can start nominating now, straight away. You can give us a call right this minute, 1850-715-958. Breege is there, she'll take your details. All you have to say is the person's name, who they are, little message, give your details and we'll come back to you on it. You can get in touch with us now by text, this very minute, 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp as well. And you can let us know through our social media channels, the LMFM Facebook page, Twitter, and of course our website, lmfm.ie. All the details will be there. So get nominating your unsung heroes straight away. We're going to have one each month, so there'll be one from January through to December this year and we'll acknowledge that person with a, a, an award they'll get an award to say they are the unsung hero for that month and Dermot at the end of the year there's going to be a dinner Absolutely Good man Jerry. we'll all be there at that you'll be the unsung hero if you organise the dinner <laughs> Yes we're going to bring all the unsung heroes and a guest together aren't we and we're Absolutely. going to acknowledge them formally at the end of the year so this is a year long programme Absolutely and that's, that's, that's as we see it but I think the key thing with it as well Jerry, you don't have to wait till the end of the year for a dinner and, that, and, even, and they don't even have to be the monthly winner I think if, if everyone just looks around and if they see someone who's a, an unsung hero it's just say it to them and that's just say thank you for your contribution that's all it takes and, well. and I think that that's, that that's a huge big thing. And I think right across the northeast, and that we see that all the time, and that of how good people are to each other. I mean, even if somebody even just lets you in in front of you, uh, you know, coming out of a car park or whatever, or, you know, as you say, the person picking up the litter, uh, anything at all. And, that, and also to remember, you know, the people that are doing, you know, tough jobs tough jobs and, uh, and, and that can be mammies, daddies, GAA coaches, anything at all, just to say thank you. Let us know who they are in your life. We want to hear about your unsung heroes on Late Lunch today and really every day. And we'll be mentioning this as we go along through the year on the show, reminding you to get your nominations into us. While you're with me, talk to me a wee bit about what you guys do in Home Instead Senior Care. You're an organisation and, and, and a business that are well known at this stage. Your wife set it up initially in this area, was it Charlotte? That's, that's, that's right, Jerry. Yeah, Charlotte set up the, the Home Instead Senior Care franchise for the whole of the North East back in 2013 and she's based in uh, Trim and she's just moved into brand new offices in Bridge Street in Trim uh, that, so that's, that's gone very well and uh, what, we do, what we do is we provide 
uh, care for people in their own homes and that just allows them to live as independently as possible in their own homes and the other big thing I suppose what we do as well is we give some respite and relief to family members and the key thing with, with, with care I suppose all the time is the number one thing is the is the client but we've also got to look at their loved ones and see how it affects them but the other thing that's hugely important and this is where the unsung heroes thing comes in is our caregivers and it's our caregivers that are going in to provide the, the just the simple service right the way from, from basic companionship right the way through to all aspects of making people's life at home independent and that could be right up to the time when they, 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 they move on and that as well and that's really where what, what, what we do and we provide that service we do it in conjunction a large amount of it in conjunction with the HSE so we'll be working very very closely with the HSE community services right across Louth, Meath uh, Cavan and Monaghan and I suppose that's 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 basically what, what we do I was going to ask you that about your tie-in with the HSE because they are the initial point of contact if you're looking for care at home. Mm. But you are one of the preferred providers of this, aren't you, as well? So you go to the HSE first and you, you apply. Is that the way it works? Yeah, it can work anyway. It can work anyway at all, uh, Jerry. And we're quite happy, as are any of the other providers that are providing service right across the northeast. We'll, we'll provide people with information most of the time. And most of the time when we provide information, we're giving people peace of mind because sometimes when you have a loved one at home or is coming, home and that you're, for an awful lot of people it can be a step into the unknown and, that, and I mean and I mean, dare I say it I'm a huge fan of the HSE community services and again that comes back to the unsung heroes you don't have to go too far to hear criticism of, of, of the HSE as well but in my experience right across the North East is that the community services that are provided by the, by the HSE and that can be home support that can be OT it can be the, the, the public health nurses the speech and language therapists the whole list goes on and on and on and the number of calls and the number of interactions that they have every month with with uh, uh, people in the community, and I just give you one example, Jerry. I mean, across the northeast, uh, home instead, and we would only be one provider. We would be doing anything between fifteen and twenty thousand calls per month, every month. So if you multiply that off uh, uh, across with all the other providers that are in the business and all the other people within the HSE that are providing that, you're into you, you know you could be up to a hundred thousand plus calls that are being made every single month to people, and it allows them to live independently in their own homes and, and that's where they're happiest and that's where they're happiest and that's, that's, that's I, I suppose that's, that's what's in it for us. And as well as that, it's removing the, bo- the burden from, you know, the mainstream health services that are under huge pressure day to day as well. When somebody can stay out of hospital and at home, it's win-win all it, round, isn't it? You have it in one, Jerry. You have it in one. Like most people, most people that I know don't want to go to hospital. They're mighty glad to be in hospital when they're not well. But when they're recuperating, the best place to recuperate is in your own home. And their loved ones like to have them in their own home because they're happy. And society at large is happier when they're at home because it frees up spaces in, 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 in hospitals for people who need, who need that care. So I suppose absolutely win-win. And, and it's, 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 it's a privilege to be involved in it. And, and as you say, it's a simple concept, but it does work. It does it work. It certainly does. Now, come back to your caregivers because they're very important people, I, I know. Do you have to be a certain type of person to be good at that? Uh, um, it's always an interesting question, Jerry, and people uh, um, of, people often ask me that. I suppose our caregivers are the lifeblood of of our business, and it's not only our business; it's 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 other providers, and it's the HSE as well. And I suppose it's really our caregivers provide a really valuable service to people at 
what can be very vulnerable times uh, as well. But to answer your question, can anyone become a caregiver? Absolutely. And in a lot of ways, there are so many people who are caregivers without even realising it. And that even if you've got an elderly relative or an elderly neighbour, an elderly friend, if you're even, even dropping into them, and again, as we keep saying, it's putting a smile on their face, asking they're all right, you know, maybe putting out the bins for them or doing the, the, the shopping. And there's hundreds, hundreds of people doing that, even as we speak. And that are doing that, and they don't even realise that they're caregivers. And that, but 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 uh, again, I suppose if you've got a passion for working in the community and you've got a passion for for looking after other people, yeah, you can get into caregiving. And the beauty of caregiving now is that 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 there's there's training programmes, and again, there's there's a whole lot of training programmes right across the northeast uh, through the VTech uh, uh, training programmes that allow people to become caregivers. We obviously do in, induction with them. We do all our introductions. So our our job and our job most of the time, even though the client comes first all the time our job all the time is to provide support and a safety net for our caregivers and I suppose an awful lot of the time people would ask is in sometimes in cases like that is who looks after the carers or who looks after the caregivers and I would hope that the offices that we have in Homestead and Trim and in Monaster Boys that our, our staff there do that and I would hope that people would say that we do it well but that's I'm sure they do, and I can tell people that they do do, because I've been in having a look uh, around your website, of course, earlier today, and uh, sussing out what you do and how well you do it as well, and the testimonials there, I have to say, Dermot, are terrific. Just before we finish, you know, this is known fact. Ireland, ageing population, people living longer, more and more caregivers required. Your business is surely going to grow in the next decade and beyond. Absolutely, Jerry. Absolutely. But we would have across the northeast we would have about 200 active caregivers as we speak. And 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 uh, you know to 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 the nth degree all of those are passionate about their work. And and, and an awful lot of the time is that they're the biggest advocates for getting other people into into caregiving as well. And what we see an awful lot of now we see more and more younger people coming into caregiving. See caregiving as a career. We're seeing an awful lot of men coming into it, seeing caregiving as a career. So it is it's a very rewarding career. And the other thing is as well it allows people to work locally. There's no commuting off to Dublin or any of that. They're working in their own community, with their own community. And again, you know, you were talking about a win-win. That benefits everyone. That benefits everyone. And that's so, again, we've been very, very fortunate that we've been, we've been able to set it up. We've been very, very fortunate with the people we have. And the other thing as well about caregivers, they are fantastic for giving you a laugh. You know, I mean, some of the stories, and, and, and I couldn't say some of the stories here, but you can imagine, but some of the stories, and then with, with clients and with family members, who again, who are struggling or might be vulnerable, the laughs that they get. I, 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 introduced, I introduced one of our caregivers uh, this morning in, 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 um, in, in the North Louth area, and the first thing the girl said, and when she went in, she said, I will pray for you every day, and the smile that it put on the guy's face, but not only that, the smile that it puts on his family's face was just, you, you, you'd have to be there to see it, and that's and that's called work. And that's called work. <laughs> they say laughter is the best medicine, uh, of course, Dermot, and it absolutely. certainly is. Yeah. Anyway, you get the gist of it, folks, today mm. on Late Lunch. Dermot Bolger's with us from Home Instead Senior Care, and we're launching today our Unsung Heroes. Get to it straight away. Is there somebody in your life, personally, professionally, in your social life, in your community, that you feel is an unsung hero? We want to hear about them. Nominate them now. 1850 You can call immediately. Or text us 086-1800-658. WhatsApp number. That's the same number there for that one as well. Across LMFM social media and LMFM.ie. So we're looking for a January hero. And they will be acknowledged. And each month through the year, and then at the end of the year, the finale in December, 
big dinner with the guys from Home and Stead Senior Care and the people in LMFM. You'll be invited if you're one of the nominees uh, with a guest as well. And that's a very special occasion to look forward to. We wish everybody well. Looking forward to hearing from them. And thank you again to Home and Stead Senior Care for backing this great initiative on LMFM Radio. For the moment, Dermot Bolger, thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you.
Yes, Mariah Carey and Hero on late lunch this Monday afternoon and reminding you again, we're looking for nominations for the unsung hero in your life, in your community, in your sporting club, wherever you may be at this time. We're looking for people who are under the radar, who do things that they never look for acknowledgement for and they're just so brilliant and couldn't be done without. You know the type of people I'm talking about who give her their time so generously and they are real heroes and uh, we don't hear about them every day but we want to hear about them from you on Late Lunch going forward. We're going to nominate a Hero of the Month, an unsung hero each month on Late Lunch. They'll be acknowledged and at the end of the year all the unsung heroes will come together for a special get-together and they'll be acknowledged once more there. So keep your nominations coming to us. They're coming in already. 086 658 You can text in if you just want to send us a name and a short detail. Uh, WhatsApp it either to that same number you can call in 185715958 or keep an eye, an eye across LMFM social media. It'll be all over the place the next while. You'll be able to nominate and we'll pick somebody for the month of January and get the ball rolling for 2019. And talking about a hero, yes, Breeders Charity Ball, the late Breeder Garrity, is happening on the 26th of January in Bellingham Castle. Tickets are €60. Euro. It's formal dress on the night. And if you'd like to go along and support the oncology unit at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, who cared so brilliantly for Breda uh, there I know she loved the place you can get in touch with Dolores 086 162 6256 or Anthony 086 270 1580 Bridie's been on to us to say my unsung heroes Jerry, are the team in Drogheda that cares for the homeless thank you indeed for that Bridie yes there are groups and there are heroes as well we're looking for individuals within those groups get your nominations into us Jim Campion's been on to say Jerry, would you just mention a Trojan un- unsung hero who sadly passed away in December, the late Larry Campbell, who worked for Mead County Council in Navin. I hope the council will remember him with a memorial. He went beyond uh, his duties, way beyond every day, to keep Navin clean. He came to Castletown, Navin, and to let his family know how much he's missed. That's a lovely message, Jim. Thank you indeed for sending that to us. Babs has been on to us to say, Happy New Year to you, Jerry. I would like to nominate my sister. Lily Shanky from Nabber. Lily, you're nominated already. Lily was my hero this Christmas time. Both myself and my husband are out of work. We were really in difficult circumstances, but she came to our aid. She just arrived and made Christmas for the four of us. I can't thank her enough, uh, and I really do hope you'll consider her for this nomination. She is my knight in shining armour. There you are. So we have an individual nomination in there, Lily Shanky. Lily Shanky is nominated today on Late Lunch. I just want to mention something that's coming up later on in the show. We are talking again on Friday. Uh, Derania Mulville joined us and told us her story. She had meningitis and my God, what a story she had. She came through it just about. Today on the show, Denise Brady will be joining us later. She had not one but two children who had meningitis. Can you believe it? Two. One is unusual. Two is really unbelievable. Have a message here from Jerry Deegan who says, Jerry, just to uh, say there's a misconception among a lot of people that meningitis is only found in young people. However, the truth is it's for anyone of any age can get it. I contacted uh, meningitis four years ago and but for the Navin doctor on call service, the Navin ambulance and the doctors and nurses in Navin hospital, I wouldn't be here to tell the tale. It was a team effort by all of them that saved my life. I was 55 when I contacted uh, meningitis and it took me two full years to get over it. I still have some issues wherever. 
but I'm one of the lucky ones. Another misperception is that you always get a rash and that your eyes become very sensitive to light, neither of which I had. The most important thing in dealing with meningitis is time. You must get to the hospital as fast as possible and phone the hospital when you're on the way to let them know. Thanks indeed for that uh, message there from Jerry Deegan. Jerry, thank you. And I'm glad to hear you over it and you're feeling better and uh, on the road to recovery, it must be said, after a while at this stage. We're heading towards news and weather at two o'clock on late lunch after two. Don't miss him. He's joining us and I'm sure he's going to motivate the entire North East. I'm looking forward to meeting Pat Slattery. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. My next guest on Late Lunch this Monday afternoon is a very successful man personally and professionally. He's established and headed up his own multi-million euro security business, invested in a range of other surefire winners and assisted countless others in achieving and being successful in their own fields. Not surprisingly, he's in demand as a motivational speaker and today he joins us to spread some inspiration and positivity to the North East. Pat Slattery, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to go straight to the point here. Tell us, we're all waiting with bated breath. What's the key to success and being successful? Well, my, my opinion on, on the key to success really is is to get up every single day and go out there and be the best you can be. You know, that, that you, you start your day off thinking about what you stand for, who you are, and what it is you want out of life, what difference you want to make out of life. And you go out there and be the best you can be. And once you, once you do that, nobody can ever take that from you, right? And back in my early days, that's how I started. And I got, I guess I was 14, I left school, I've been working in a hotel. And for me, that, that job was so important. I was never going to lose it. And I decided the only way I can I can keep this job forever is if I be the best and just be the best I can be. And that doesn't mean that there wasn't somebody who could do a better job than me, but nobody could be a better me. And as I, I suppose I took that whole ethos into my life, and I still do today, I believe I, I go out and give 100% of myself, whatever it is I decide to do. But the opportunities that came my way because of that, most people, you, you'll see yourself, Jerry, you meet people who, who you just warm to, you know that they're out there and they've got really great intention and you want to spend more time with them. And you know, and, and I wasn't doing this on purpose. I didn't understand it, I guess, at the time. And it was much later, somebody came to me at, at a business network meeting and said, Pat, how did you become so successful? Based on my background, I kind of, I should never have got to where I got to. And, uh, and I kind of, my answer was, it was kind of by default, because it kind of, I thought it just happened. But I wasn't satisfied with that answer. So I went away and I started looking back and reviewing back what was going on in my life at that time. And I realized, you know, there, there was a series of habits that I started to create naturally, I guess, without, without ever being educated about this. It was just something I was doing. And the more I started looking at it and I started thinking, you know what, if I do more of this on purpose, then it's inevitable I'll become more successful. Right, so so what, are, what what are those habits? You know, you mentioned that you said commitment there. You get up and you say to anybody, get up any day and give it a hundred percent, no matter what you're doing, and that will lead you on there where you are, and perhaps there's something else. What are the other things? Well, I mean, there there are a number of habits that I I work with. Number number one is to start learning how to say no. Right, because most people become overwhelmed with life because they they say yes to too much, right? And and most people I know have been taught to say yes, say yes to everything, say yes to everything. But once you say yes, you're now committed, right? So it's very difficult to back away. And if you do back away, but if you, if you say yes to something, you have created an expectation. 
And if if you don't match up to people's expectations, people don't have very much good to say about you. Right. And and in your life, I know, you had a time where obviously you were giving in 120% and you were working all the hours God sends you. Did that incident, you, you were laid up for a while, were you? I was, yeah. I mean, like that, I, I was saying yes to everything, right? And it became, you know, what I call a busy mess rather than in a business. And I found myself being really ill. I found myself just getting sick one time and all of a sudden I, I just couldn't stop getting sick. So I went to the doctor, had a conversation, found myself in the hospital. You know, the funny thing is I went in for an operation on Wednesday and I put myself on the roster for Friday <laughs> I, was, I was on a liquid diet for four months after the operation you know and uh, so I was out of action for four months and I thought this this can't go on you know this this is not what it's about it's not you know initially I was chasing the money Jerry I, can't, I mean I come from a very poor background where you know being able to bring money home was making a substantial difference in my life and my, my mum's life so you know I was initially I was chasing the money the money became so important to me but the reality is you know yes it's nice to make a lot of money but you shouldn't sacrifice your life or sacrifice what's really important because the, if you become chasing the money I find that people if they keep chasing the money they become more stressed their own life and stressed on what's going on but when you understand if you do certain things in a certain way the money takes care of itself there's always going to be enough right there's always enough so what you're saying is money is not the definition of success or what we own or the big car or the massive house or, you know, the worldly possessions. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And look, money's never the motivating factor anyway, because if it was, I mean, we all know if you want to make more money, you just got to sell more stuff, right? So if money was the motivating factor, there'd be the world would be full of exceptional salespeople, right? Because that's not difficult to sell. So, you know, people have to understand what's in it for them. What's, what's it doing? You know, by making extra money, and I do encourage people to make more money and put it to good use. I I always often think back to my one teacher I had in sixth class who was an extraordinary guy. He was a great, a really great um, mentor, I guess, rather than a teacher for us. And I remember him taking out a, a 10p coin inside in the classroom and he said, guys, remember this, he said, it's may round to go round. Put it to use. Don't squander it. Don't save it. Put it out there. Make, make, it, make it work for you. You know, and I always took that in, my, in the back of my mind that what can we do with it how, how can we how can we put it out there how can we spend it how can we make something better with money and look at the reality is yeah money does help there's no question there's no question and but why why should you not have all of it why should you not have enough money and enough time to enjoy your life as well and I think that's really important people have to understand that um one of my business I had you probably know we had a pub in Lanzarote there for a while but this guy came in to me one time and uh, and he probably gave me the greatest lesson I've ever got and I was chatting to him he came to me for, for a bit of advice somebody sent him to come and talk to me and we'd sit down a couple of days and have coffee and he said Pat he said you remind me of a brother of mine in London he said who's really successful and he said I went to, to meet him one night for dinner and he said he brought me to a really nice restaurant and we sat down and he said and the waiter handed me the menu my brother reached out and grabbed the menu off my hand and he said before you read this menu he said I want you to consider this menu the same way as your life never look at the right hand side of the menu or you will never order what you want right because most people look at it and think what can they afford and that d- makes them decide whatever they want in life you you can be doing have anything you want in this world once you decide and once you put yourself out there and you and you be the best you can be and opportunity comes your way all the time it, it has never failed for anybody I know isn't that interesting? That is so true. People mm. often look at that column yeah, and oh yeah. decide yes or no. But That's you're saying, no, don't pay attention to that at all. Look at 
what you can go for, what yeah. you'd like to have. Yeah, go go for go out for whatever you want. You don't always have to know the way, right? But I mean, but there's so much knowledge. I mean, now we're in the information age. I mean, when I was growing up, there was no internet, so you know and. You know, unless I went to the library, we couldn't afford books. That was the way it was, right? So, you know, I've been learning from people, and I'm learning from the people that are around me. But right now, we're in the information age. There's no shortage of information and knowledge and and the whereabouts, you know, to to, to find the opportunity, you know, to to do whatever it is you want to do. Now, you mentioned their commitment. And, of course, working hard is is important as well to achieve what you want to achieve. Uh, Balance. Balance was the one you came back to. Is that money isn't everything? What else? What other uh, learnings have you taken from this successful life you've had? Well, I can think actually from from when I started. Right when I started out, I mean, I left school at fourteen. You know, I was a bouncer in Limerick at fifteen. You know, so you can imagine before I was even eighteen, I had this this dream that I was going to set up my own business, and I and I often tell the story to people when I was down in Mitch's Town Caves one Sunday with a group of us. You know, often the time when when I say when you could put ten people into a Ford Escort, you know, and uh, <laughs> so, but there was a big group of us there, and I dream out loud, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to start my own business, and everybody thought it was hilarious. And I was, you know, I was being made fun of for a long time in a lot of different places afterwards. And that affected the way I was thinking about it. So I, I did park it up and I went and got a job. But, you know, before I was 18, I had 25 doormen working for me in five nightclubs. I was still too young to get in, right? So, you know, so I am. Um, but I, I, I guess for me, the when I started out, I was trying to prove everybody wrong. So when I decided to get into business, I just wanted to prove everybody wrong. And then I started becoming more successful. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could do more and be better. And then, to me, for me personally, the day it all really changed for me is the day I decided I have nothing to prove to anyone, not even myself. I accept that I'm good enough. And I accept that I'm be doing have anything in this world. And I don't need to be egotistical about it. I don't need to try and prove to anything to anyone, not even me. And I always encourage people, accept that. Accept that you are good enough and that your presence does make a difference in this world. And you, you know, and, and ultimately, I think that that's to me is what success is, when you actually realise that you can accept how good you are as an individual and that you are making a difference regardless of what you do, regardless of your circumstances. That to me is success. Isn't that interesting? So happy in your own skin, content, not chasing, not trying to prove, just being you, doing what you feel is right. And that is the secret, just to be as content as that. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, we still set goals, right? We still have things yeah. we want to achieve. And, you know, I mean, and I have big goals and the things I want to do. So I get involved in the process. But I also, what I talk a lot about in my seminars and what I, I mentor people through is what I call the highest and best use of time. Most people you know that I meet who are in business or in a job, they're in there putting a huge amount of time into their into their business. And I meet people and they tell me, you know what, I, I often ask people the question, who here spends quality time with the people that are important in their life? And people People put up their hand and they're so proud of having this quality time. But the people who love you don't understand quality time. They understand quantity time. They want more of it. So what I try and get people to start thinking about is how, how can you put quality time into what you do for a living? So put quantity time back into your life. Because so many so many people are wasting time all day long doing nonsense stuff, being distracted by things that don't help them in any way, shape or form, move towards their goals or towards their desired outcomes. So it's about getting a little bit more focused, a little bit more disciplined on doing the thing that you need to do, get it done and go home. 
I think a lot of people lo- really like what you're saying this afternoon. Pat Slattery's with me on Late Lunch. He's the most successful man personally and in the business world. He's a motivational speaker and we're going to talk more after this break. Can I ask you this? You've had enormous success in your own field and in others when you diversified and you look like a guy that's really happy in his skin at this stage of his life. Have you ever been down on your luck? Oh, absolutely. Many, many times, you know. Um, now, the, the irony of this, uh, because this is a question I, I was asked yesterday, and I think my son was talking to me about different things. And uh, I remember one time, you know, I was really killing myself at work, right? I was killing myself at work, and things weren't going the way they should have been going. And I think it was about 10 years in business at that stage, and I was really overwhelmed. And I'm actually writing it in my book at the moment. And um, But... I, I confided in somebody. I went and asked somebody for help because most of the people, when I was feeling that low, I couldn't go to anybody because most of the people I confided in the beginning didn't believe me in the first place, right? So, you know, I didn't know what to do. But I went out and I started finding people who had what I want and getting to learn a little bit more from them. And then I, I guess so I sat one time with, with a couple of guys who were extremely successful in Limerick. And one of them was sitting across the table, probably one of the most successful in terms of property that I know, Um and he, his head in his hands and he just looked at me and said, Pat, how did you keep going? How, you know, when I told him my story and, and to be honest with you, it was just another day of survival for me. I didn't realise I was failing. Right? So that was one thing that kept me going. Now, there were times when I, when I failed, when I wasn't doing things right. And, you know, I mean, back in the year 2000, I had to wipe clean 1.4 million pounds of debt that I couldn't collect. So all of the, the years I'd done work, it was gone. You know, I was back to square one and I had to start again because I, I, wasn't, I didn't have the right rules in place for my business. I wasn't collecting my money on time. And then all these other people went bust and, or, or pretended to go bust or whatever they do and then they leave you in the lurch, right? So, you know, I, I learned a lot about business then, you know, because for me, my business was about serving people, you know, and it was always that way in the beginning. And, you know, I, I went through that pain as well. Um, I went through a lot of pain in different businesses, tried different things, but... Uh, I guess I've learned, Jerry, now when to cut it off quick. You know, I don't let it hemorrhage. I don't, and mostly my time is never necessarily the income. If it's if it doesn't feel good and I don't have the right time, and and if it's not moving in the direction I need to move, I stop it. I'll just stop and move on to something else. I don't believe in, in giving in giving my time to, for anything anymore. Um, that's the one thing I've learned to value an awful lot that I, I you know. Right now, I drop my kids to school almost every day, and I can pick them up almost every day. And yet, I can still run a successful business. You know, um, I've a twenty-seven-year-old son who hardly saw for the first ten years of his life because I was always working. You know, so you know, I don't want that. That to me is not what it's about either. I want to be able to enjoy my life and get out and enjoy the people who are important to my life. Um, and yeah, I've had I've had setbacks where where people might have challenged me and made me feel because I was uneducated. I left school at fourteen, and and uh, you know you will meet some people out there who have their own agenda and they try and knock you back for their own reasons too. So and and I understand this, and I understand some of your listeners will feel this some sometime from time, you know. And but for me, it's a, again going back to it doesn't matter. You have nothing to prove. Don't don't try and prove yourself to anybody. Don't even try to compete with anybody. There's no point. Just be the best you can be, and. I started a little business as a kid. You know, I often say my greatest failure was I, I was selling toffee apples, but I was using crab apples, you know. So that didn't work out too well for me. Oh, they'll toffee so, sweeten though, yeah. you know. <laughs> it always does. Do you know, you have a 14-point of culture matrix and you outline 14 um, things that are important, personally and professionally as well. We mentioned commitment, you've mentioned already, balance. These are just, I picked four of them out from it. The other two are... Having fun and... 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Feeling gratitude. How important are those two? Really important. And and when we came in, we mentioned my partner, Donna Kennedy. I got to say, she really opened my eyes when it comes to gratitude. I mean, a lot of understanding. I, I guess I was always grateful, but I didn't understand gratitude. You know, and for me, I'm, I'm grateful for every moment, every day. You know, people say to me, "Oh, it's Monday." I look forward to Monday. I look forward to every day. To me, every day is a Saturday. You know, I don't. I don't. Sometimes I have to check to see what day of the week it is. But the reality is, you know, gratitude is everything. If you can be grateful for what's out there, the people that you meet, you your your mind is open to learning. Then, and, and again, it's opportunities will come your way. And once once you have gratitude in your life, you don't let them pass you we, we have a little phrase we use that opportunities come to pass not to pause they won't sit around away for you when you're in, in a, a place in your mind where you can't accept gratitude you can't accept how good you are or what you're capable of or being the best you can be the mind is, has a strange way of affecting how you behave and how you think so I, I've met so many people now in in I guess in the last 20 years who have told me about opportunities to pass them by because they weren't ready and the reality is they weren't ready because they haven't allowed themselves to be accepting of the things that they can have in their life and gratitude plays a huge part in that so yeah I am extremely I'm grateful for everybody everybody and I'm grateful for my failures They're, you know these are the things to me my failures are just experiences I don't see failures to be honest with you I don't recognise anything as a failure you know because there, something good has come from everything and that's that's just how I feel and that's how I, I think now you know do you know this Irish thing, or is it an Irish thing? Maybe you have more experience with people outside of this country as well. Oh, what will people think? I'm sure you've heard this many a <laughs> times. You know when there's something that somebody should go for, yeah. or accept, or bring into their lives, or do, and that phrase comes up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. I, I believe that's that's what I think the, the four most dangerous English words in one sentence is what will people think? Because it stops so many people. It stops so many people going out there and being the best they can be. And the reality is, you know, again, there's an old saying out there, what other people think of you has nothing to do with you. You know, get out there and just be the best you can be and, and don't look for permission. You know, if you've got to wait around this world for permission, nothing is going to come your way, right? Don't look for permission. I, of, I often say to you, it's easier to be forgiven than it is to get permission, right? Just do it. If you feel it and you do it, and if, if you're not sure how to, or, then go out and Google it. Find somebody that has what you want. Find somebody who has done it before you. Learn from them. You know, success leaves clues, right? You know, we, we go back, what I believe is one of the greatest laws of the universe is the law of cause and effect. You reap what you sow. So whatever it is you put out there, that's what you get back. And if you're not sure what it is to put out to get the results you want, find someone who's got that result and, and work your way back. Look, there's a pattern. Look at the pattern. Look what they've done. Learn from them. Now, you know, and be patiently persistent. This is the key. Most people expect it to happen overnight because it, the assumption is these guys become so successful and, and, you know, and we make it look so easy, right? We, we speak on stage. We speak on stage all over the world. We make it look so easy. But it was a process. I mean, we had to learn this trade too. We had to get involved in that process and be patiently persistent until more and more people get to know who you are and get to know, understand what you stand for and what you're about. So I always say to people, look, pick, pick whatever it is you want. Just go for it. Be patiently persistent with it. Find the people who have it you want. One of one of the, the greatest things for me was to be going along to the seminars, reading books, 
eventually, I, the people who I was reading books about, I went and I found them and I went, I invested in me and I went and I worked with them side by side. I masterminded with some of the greatest minds in the world in the area of personal and business development. So, and, and I'm still learning, by the way, and I, and I still want to find more people like that, you know, and, and I think I'll be doing this on, until the day I die. But, you know, I sit and I, I think I listen to people a bit differently, Jerry, because I learn from everybody you meet every day. You know, I listen to the questions that come up for people. And if somebody comes to me with a question, I have to find an answer for them. I have to find a way. I'm I'm very solution-focused. And that's I find it very hard to think of a problem, to be honest with you. When somebody comes to me with a problem, sometimes it frustrates them because they give me the solution very quickly. Right? And they're going to go, but what about the problems? Well, the problem is already solved. Move on, you know. And But we, we're we're hardwired to think that way. And, and, you know, society has made us believe that, you know, life is not easy. It's not. But it is. It's as easy as you make it. But... Again, be patiently persistent. Move forward slowly but surely. You can always move towards anything you want in this world. Surround yourself with the right people. You know, it's it's so important, you know. Is luck or good fortune something that's important as well? Or do you make that yourself? Well, I don't believe in luck, I have to say. And, and again, this is my own opinion. Um, I remember I worked with the Munster rugby team for years. And I remember on, in 2008 when they had won the, the second Heineken Cup. It was, you know, and we were down in the Clarion Hotel afterwards. And somebody said, you were lucky, you were lucky. And I think it was Paul O'Connell actually turned around and said, yeah, he said, I've only been working for the last 12 years practicing this to get lucky enough to win this trophy, right? You know, and the reality is, guys, you, you create your own luck. You can go out. You're, you're not a, a creature of circumstance. You're a creator of circumstance. You can make it happen. You can do whatever you want. I mean, you know, I'm not sure if you've even got to know my full story and where I come from and my background. I take all the boxes why I, I should have nothing. I, you know, I should be another statistic, Really, you know, but I mean, the reality is once you believe in yourself and you, but you've got to get involved in the process. This is important. You know, we talk about the law of attraction and I always say to people, if you want to, you know, think about the law of attraction, we can sit here and imagine all day long that you're going to win the lotto. But if you don't get up and buy a ticket, nothing's going to happen. You have to take action. You have to get involved in the process. So again, if you understand what it is you want, set out your plan, plan the work and work the plan. And you know what? Chances are you'll become luckier, you know. <laughs> so you create it, you make it yourself. So true what O'Connell said, my God almighty. Now, with all this in mind, uh, you are on stage again at the start of February, the 9th of February at the Hilton Hotel at Dublin Airport there. And the, the day is called, or the seminar is called Make It Happen. Yeah. Is that a business or personal or is it a combination of it's both? It's a combination of both. It, it, to me, it's more personal. By the way, there's no business development without personal development. If somebody's business is struggling, then there's something else that's going on. It's never the actual business because that means somebody's getting in the way they're thinking, you know. So ma- making it happen, it can be whatever it means for you. I mean, everybody has their own it. For some people, they just want to be a, like a great mum. They want to be able to, you know, look after the children, bring them up the best way and educate them the best way they can. For some people, that might want to, yeah, they might want to have that big boat and they want to have the big car and they want to have the big house, you know. And for other people, they may just want the education. You know, so it, whatever it means, it means to, to each individual. And it's not for anybody to judge what it means to anybody, you know. So, yeah, and and that's why the, the lineup of speakers is very diverse. There's a fantastic lineup of speakers, but primarily it's going to be about mindset and focusing on using if you if you have the right type of mindset then anything is possible you know i think mark victor henson said one time mindset equals money set you know so it's not all about money or wealth or back to this again possessions power that type of thing health happiness what you do in your life everybody can't be a millionaire or can they pat 
They can't. Why not? <laughs> Why not? All, all we got to do is take a small share back off the top 1%, right? You know, and, and, and the reality is, yeah, but everybody can, Jerry, right? Everybody can if that's what they choose. Now, you know, I, I say, why, why can't you have it all? Why can't you have it all? I mean, you don't want to have all of the money in the world. You don't want to wrap your hands around everything. You couldn't control it anyway, right? But why shouldn't you have enough? You know, why shouldn't you have enough to be able to say, you know, I don't believe that anybody when they walk into a shop has to put their hands in their pockets and check what they have before they can afford what they can put in the basket. I don't believe anybody should do that. I think everybody is the, the, the capability of stepping up. Everybody has something remarkable to offer to this world if they just believe in themselves. And there's somebody out there who wants what you have. And, you know, there's, but the, most people, because they listen to other people, don't know how to get their message out there. They don't know, how, how do I do this? And that's what this is about. I mean, you, the speakers, all of the speakers who are speaking here have come from very humble beginnings and you know and had to start out I guess the hard way and, and, and I guess what we're trying to do here is what has taken us 20 years to learn we're going to try and show you how to do it in three or four you know stop stop testing the market we've already done it for you you know yeah. interesting interesting indeed just to mention that again the Hilton Dublin Airport 9th of February make it happen Pat is among a, a stellar list of speakers there on the, uh, that day and at the conference as well overall and more details on Eventbrite or Facebook yeah make it happen 2019 you'll find it you'll find it there and the message today from Pat is you I and everybody else can make it happen let's go forward with that step into the new year but for the moment Pat Slattery thank you so much for joining me on the show thank you Jerry pleasure the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Friday last, top of the show, I talked to Dorania Mulvihill about her experience uh, with meningitis. She uh, contracted meningitis when she was 16 and what a story she had to tell. She eventually ended up with amputations on her legs and on her fingers as well. And she's a remarkable woman who's expecting her second baby uh, in the next couple of weeks. And again, we wish her well. Meningitis still continues to be in the news and the vaccinations and all that goes with it. And we're going back to me again today to Denise Brady. Uh, Lightning strikes twice. Rarely in Denise's case, it actually did with meningitis. And she joins me now. Afternoon, Denise. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking my call. Let's go back to your son, Ryan, 2004. What month of the year was he born? He was born in July 2004. And everything okay at birth and early weeks, yes? Uh, He was four weeks early, uh, but everything normal, normal delivery, normal child, a little bit of colic and reflux, but normal, happy, healthy child. So the 28th of October, is that the date that will remain in your mind forever? Absolutely. Wednesday. A Wednesday, I had taken him to see my childminder, my new childminder, because I was heading back to work. Back then, you had very little maternity leave. So he was 16 weeks old, and I had gone straight into maternity leave because I had gone early on on Ryan. And he just wasn't right this particular day. He wasn't a sleeper, and he was sleeping a little bit more than usual. He wasn't taking his feeds as normal. And I just felt there was something not quite right with him. By 6 o'clock that evening, he was running a temperature of 39.4, and I called on... uh, nurse friend of ours to come and check him over at that time. I just felt he wasn't right. Instinct, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, mother's gut feeling. You can't beat it, to be honest. Absolutely, absolutely. So he, she came around, had a look, and said, no, everything seems to be okay. Just that particular night, he went rapidly downhill. And as I was lifting him from, like, every time he cried, 
I would lift him from his cot. He just felt to me like there was maybe an arm broken or a leg broken. Every time he tried to move him, he felt like he wasn't quite right. And obviously I knew he hadn't broken anything, but that's just it's high-pitched cry. Mm. I thought, you know, what's, what's wrong here? By 8 o'clock the next morning, we brought him to our local paediatrician. We were living in Clanny at the time. He didn't know, in fairness, what was wrong with him either. And he said to me, it's more than teeth. Of course, I was thinking, is it teeth? Is it, you know, what is it? What is it exactly? So we put a urine bag on him and he sent us off to Temple Street. Uh, We weren't 10 minutes in the car, I'd say. We were probably in the car maybe by 20 past 8 in the morning and his breathing started to go. So he started to grunt like a kind of a staggered breathing is all I can describe it. I was in the back holding on to him at this point and I said to my husband, just drive. So we drove the bus lanes as fast as we could into Temple Street. Got into Temple Street near enough to nine o'clock in the morning because we had to do the morning rush air traffic, yeah. by which point he had really slipped into a sort of semi-induced coma, almost. Um, they whipped him from us. He had a bulging fontanelle at the time. I didn't realise that had anything to do with him being so unwell. Mm. Now I know, obviously it was pointed out to us later later on, but they whipped, us from, whipped him from us and they gave him a lumbar puncture. And then our worst fears were confirmed. Meningitis. And uh, the bacterial, was it? It was bacterial. It was meningococcal, which is the most common strain. Mm. Um, Again, they start you on a generic antibiotic when you go in. They don't know what strain they're dealing with until they cultivate it, just a little bit. So it was a couple of hours maybe before we found out it was meningococcal. But they had us on the right antibiotic at that point. So he remained in hospital for a bit of a stay and he was administered antibiotics for the next eight days. He was in high dependency for two days. And we were told touch and go for the first 24 hours, and a further touch and go, really, for the the next 24 hours. The first 48 hours were crucial. But he overed it. Uh, sorry, beg your pardon? He overed it. He got through he it, did. yes. He absolutely A little did. fighter. He did, very much so. Very much so. And uh, after that, he recovered and made a full recovery, and he's... Uh, 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 really active and uh, you know to be looked after teenager is that fair to say at this stage absolutely happy and healthy boy loves his sport thrives on the football pitch Mm. all about sport to be honest with you if there's a ball in the word, he loves it. Volleyball, right. basketball, <laughs> whatever. He loves it. He well, absolutely thank loves God, it. you know, that the news was good and he came through worrying times, touch and go, but here you are all these years later. Very so good. that's, you know, you say at that stage, my God, we've really been through the mill with this flat. That's it with men enjoyed this in our lives. Not so. Not so. Well, you would hope that that mm. would be the end of it. So after a much anticipated and long wait, we welcomed our little daughter. Sarah Ann into the world in March 2011 and as luck would have it we found ourselves in the very same position again when she was 10 weeks old My God, what are the odds of that happening? Well we were the second family in Ireland we were told we were the second family in Ireland at that point for that to ever happen to I'm sure there are other families maybe since I hope there aren't but I I have a feeling there might be Mm. we were told at the time we were the second family in Ireland for that to ever happen It's a real rarity and before you tell us about the particular case and how that manifested is there a link or is there something you know that you know resulted in two of your children having this? They don't know they said at the particular time that very possibly I may be a carrier Mm. So apparently, we all hold a little bit of bacteria in the back of our nose and our throat. And at times, we can hold 
the meningitis bug, if you like, in the back of our nose and throat. Yes. This, this applies to all of us. Mm. If our immune system is lowered, it can affect us or in turn we can pass it on to somebody else through sneezing, through droplets, maybe kissing, that kind of yes. so very, very close contact. It doesn't tend to survive outside the body, I believe, for too long. So it has to be very, very close contact. And as a mother, of course, you're kissing your baby and you're, you know, you're all about your baby, of course. Yeah. So we, we were told at the time that I could very possibly be a carrier, but that was never established or okay. never determined. OK, well, we'll just take it that it was fate and that you are one of these rare, rare families and cases. So she's born on uh, the 11th of March and on the 23rd of May, another day. You'll always remember those days, October and May, 23rd of May. How did her case unfold? Was it different to Ryan's? Slightly. Ryan's we didn't identify until much later on, hence why he was given the last rights and he ended up in high dependency. With Sarah Ann, I had visited a friend in the estate. I'd come back and my husband had given her a bath. And when I landed back, he said, she feels a bit warm to me and she's not, she doesn't want to take her feed. I had been feeding her myself, but I had expressed. So he'd give her a bottle if I wasn't there. And he just said she feels a little bit warm to me, so I felt her, and she did. We had a little thermometer here, put it in her ear. She was running a temperature, and she wasn't taking the feed. I noticed then that her fontanelle was bulging, and that was one of the key signs they had said to me with Ryan. So I phoned the VHI health nurse, and as she was talking me through a series of questions, I knew where she was going with this, because we'd obviously had a child with meningitis, so she was asking me the vital questions. And I was actually packing the baby bag as I was talking to her, saying, right, we're heading for Temple Street, which we did. So we landed in Temple Street probably eight hours earlier with her than we would have, maybe even more, than we would have with Ryan. Mm. So we were ahead of the posse, thank God. My God, so on this one, you were just that little bit ahead. And the previous experience obviously stood to you. It, oh, absolutely. The fontanelle was one of the key bulging factors for me. That and the temperature. Again, we were told when Ryan was very small, babies generally don't run temperatures. Yeah. Just explain for listeners that might know, it's in the skull area, the fontanelle, where it is and what to look out for. The fontanelle. So when a baby is born, you almost you have two halves of your brain. Yeah. And in between that, just at the very tip of the forehead, heading into the brain, is the fontanelle. It's a mm. soft little spot. They often call it a little soft spot on the baby's head. That, if that's bulging, it can be a key sign that there is something seriously wrong. Okay, and that was the giveaway for you it second time round? Absolutely. The giveaway for me, that combined with the fact she didn't want to feed and she had the high temperature. But again, people often think, is there a rash? You know, they're looking for this rash to appear and they're doing a glass test. Generally speaking, by the time the rash appears, you're at a much, much later stage. Mm. So if you can act fast, rapidly, get them treatment ahead of schedule or, you know, very, very early on intervention, you can make a full recovery. Yeah, and, and, and she has as well. Was it as touch and go as the as, as Ryan was no. with Sarah Ann? No. No, thank God. We got in way earlier than we had with Ryan. Okay. And so the intervention was early. Uh, everything started to work more quickly. Was she in hospital for long? She was in hospital for eight days. He was in hospital for eight days. She was in hospital for seven days. Right, okay. One day less. And again, antibiotics, IV antibiotics for seven days in both cases. Mm. 
so she's over now and she'll be eight in March this year, yes, and she's flying along as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank God, touch wood. But now you, you're hearing about the cases. Sadly, some have lost their lives in this outbreak at this time and there's a big uh, conversation going on around the vaccinations. And I know you worked with the Meningitis Trust, didn't you, subsequently? We did, we did, quite closely for a number of years. They, were funded or- they weren't a funded organisation, should I say. They were relying on donations, so unfortunately they had to close. But we did work quite closely with them for a number of years after, just to highlight the signs and symptoms and to say always, go with your instinct. If you think there's something not quite right, there's no harm in running into Temple Street or your local GP or somebody in the know, just to give you that peace of mind. Err on the side of caution. Don't Absolutely. wait. Don't, never wait. We were told don't ever wait to find out that it's not teeth or, you know, something simple. Go with your gut instinct. Mm. If unsure, head off and get checked out. You didn't realise about the situation with the meningitis B. It's it's available to babies who are, and they've got it, babies born after October 16. But for children, you know, who are born before that, it's a huge issue and concern, isn't it, for parents? It generally is. It generally is. And I know at the moment people do have to pay for it. And it is... It is a scale extremely high cost, mm. no doubt about that. But I would say that if there is any way of getting your child vaccinated, again, just for peace of mind, it is a killer disease, if you like. And if you can do something to prevent that affecting your lives, mm. do I it. Say, go for, do it. Absolutely. Do it. How do can it. you put a price? on a vaccination that would save a child from even going to the brink. You know what I mean? We'd be very hopeful they would survive. Do you know what I mean? But it it can be lethal. It really can. And that's the message that's coming out with the cases, the recent cases and the the current outbreak as well. Absolutely. And when we were in the hospital with Ryan, another little baby had come up from Sligo at the time, only a couple of days old, and that little baby didn't make it. Mm. So we were very lucky. During the duration that we were in the hospital, that baby lost its life. So how lucky were we to be able to walk out of that hospital on both occasions with our children? But some people weren't so lucky. Yeah, and that that is the message we're uh, get, putting out there today again about re- why we're recounting, should I say, your story to people to give a, a greater understanding and feel for what uh, the circumstances may be when a, a baby or a young child is not well and what to look out for and then what to do to act and not to wait as well. You mentioned gratitude and we were talking a moment ago uh, with our previous guest about being grateful in life. I'm sure you have some gratitude for uh, having both of your children healthy and well today. Absolutely. And you do wonder what is what is up above really when you think about it. The first thing I thought when we found out that Sarah Ann had meningitis for the second, you know, the second child, your only two children and the second child and second time for it to happen was how unlucky are we and then the more I thought of it I thought how lucky are we Mm. because our children have walked free thankfully without the loss of limbs with all their faculties and in perfect health today and I touch wood as I'm saying that to you now because it hasn't been so we've been so fortunate it hasn't been that case for so many other families in Ireland and of course throughout Europe and, and further afield Absolutely, and I, I do mention again Doronia uh, Mulvihill, who I spoke to on Friday on the show from me as well, like yes, yourself. I and met Doronia before, yeah. Yeah, and, and she came through it at 16 mm-hmm. years of age. Uh, but look at the uh, the price she paid in terms of amputation. That She's a fine woman today and she's having her second baby. We wish her well again shortly, uh, just to say that. But what an experience she had. Uh, absolutely, as well, absolutely, you know. absolutely. Anyway, Denise... 
A tremendous, yeah, she's a tremendous woman. And you're great, I have to say, as well, for telling us your story again about your two children. We wish Ryan and Sarah and all the very best going forward. By God, they've had their share already in life, we have to say. And uh, well done to all concerned. It's a really positive story. Thank you very much, Jerry, and thank you for highlighting this cause as well. Not at all. You're very welcome. We're only delighted to do so. Thanks a million, Denise. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Denise Brady there telling us her story about our two children, Ryan and Sarah. And if you've been affected by anything we're talking about today, if you have anything further to say, if you have an experience of this, we always love to hear from you on LMFM's Late Lunch. Give us a shout. 1850 is the telephone number. Or don't forget the usual WhatsApp and text numbers 086-1800-658. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. Yeah, the man himself, Don Baker, winner in you on Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. Thanks indeed for your comments and all your nominations for Unsung Hero. Reminding you again, if you know an unsung hero, do get in touch with us. We're going to select an unsung unsung hero each month on Late Lunch here on LMFM Radio, talking about a top of the show uh, with Home Instead Home Care and they are the sponsors of that award this year. Uh, we have nominations in already. Keep them coming to us 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp or you can call in on 1850-715-958 or nominate across LMFM social media on any of the channels there. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, I would like to nominate Theresa Mulholland who has been doing a lot of charity work in Armenia, Africa, uh, Kenya and Tanzania there and she's also been involved in Meals on Wheels here in Dundalk for years Teresa's in her 80s now uh, but she's been travelling to these countries alone for a number of years unfortunately uh, she suffered a stroke last October I'm sorry to hear that and she's still hospitalised because of it and that comes in from Rose in Dundalk we certainly will consider her Rose thank you indeed for that lovely message this afternoon Ray's been on to us uh, to uh, remind us that there's a distinct difference between belief in yourself and arrogance. And arrogance can get in the way of that. Uh, That's why there are so many bad employers, says Ray. Yeah, we were talking uh, to motivational speaker Pat a little while ago there. And uh, look, I think think he he made that clear, so he did as well. Uh, Belief. It's belief he's talking about rather than arrogance is a shocking thing in any aspect of life. You know what I mean? And it's found out quickly and people don't like it and you're right in what you say Ray but it applies right across the board in life I'd say just not in employers or in employment in an awful lot of things as well but confidence is very very important uh, in any individual and uh, John wants to know what would be the symptoms in an adult of meningitis well you know what I mean you're going to have a fever a high temperature you're not going to be feeling well uh, that rash thing and all that all those things as well John come into play whether you're a child or an adult you're with late lunch on LMFM Radio. Just staying with sport for a moment, I want to say a big congratulations to Vincent Hoy, President of Drogheda United, who was conferred with a, a brilliant award on Friday night last. He was the recipient of the Special Merit Award from the Irish Soccer Writers Association. 
he is the first person who's been a, a director of a club. Vincent was part and parcel of Drogheda entering the League of Ireland in 63 and he's been with the club ever since. He's a club president at the moment and his son Connor has just taken over as chairman of the club. A very proud day for him. But Vincent received that award on Friday night and he brought the house down. He was absolutely outstanding in his acceptance speech. He's just a class man, he really is. And he's been involved with the club one way or another from the 60s right through to the present. And it's true to say there would be no senior soccer in Drogheda without Vincent Hoy. And congratulations to him and his family once again. Up next on Late Lunch, Glenn Patton's in the house. He's the owner of Paw Prince Crematorium in Trim. Stay with us. Since starting his business about seven years ago, Glenn Patton reckons that he's cremated thousands of animals. And, you know, dogs are the most popular, of course, and cats. But everything has come his way at the end of their life. I spoke to him a number of years ago, but he's back with me today uh, to remind us what he does and for a particular reason as well. Glenn, it's really good to see you again. Great. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Um, since we last spoke, your business really has taken off. I'm not I'm not overestimating there, am I, in thousands? No, we would have done a lot of, of pets, um, more so through the veterinary clinics, but more and more people want to come directly now uh, uh, to the crematorium. And people, obviously in the know now, with social media and, and, and awareness nowadays, you're all over the place. You can get calls at any time of the day or night from any part of the country. I can get, I've got texts at three o'clock in the morning. I've had Facebook messages through the night. I've had, because um, people are so distressed. People just don't know what to do. Mm. If their pet dies at home, the, the first thing they'll do is go onto Google. They'll try Facebook and they look at all the reviews and they can contact us at any time. Um, and we're sim- sympathetic towards them because we understand they are at a loss at that time and they need help. So you're an all-island uh, business at this stage, and will you travel to collect the animal? We would travel. Um, they can go to their local vet if they feel, you know, if they've built up a relationship with the veterinary clinic and they feel they want to go through the vet, we can arrange a collection uh, from the veterinary clinic, or they can come directly to us, or we can go and collect. So we will basically accommodate them, whatever the situation. Are you licensed like a human crematorium? Uh, we would have a license. It's probably a little bit more stricter than the, than the human because there's you know traceability. We have to answer to literally every pet that we collect. We have to have a story for that. Uh, so there has to be a full U-turn on what happens to that pet. So we would be strictly um, licensed, yes. Okay. Dogs, the number one, yes? Dogs would be the number one. Uh, cats would be, you know, number two. Um then we have budgies, we have hamsters, we have, as I've mentioned before, we've done a crocodile. Um, exotic pets are exotic part of it pets, as well. Yeah, we would. Do do you ever snakes. get a snake? We've done snakes. Um, again, these are because people, if they hold these pets in their house, they hold them for a reason. They love them. You know, they want to have them in their house. You know, these pets depend on these people. So yeah, they they create a bond with them, and when they pass, it's it's horrific. Do people come along to the cremation to be there when it's happening, or what way does that work? Um, no, they they would come along and they would leave their pet with us. Um, if somebody is travelling up uh, from a further distance, we will accommodate them. We will arrange for the cremation to be done. You know, they'd go off and get a cup of coffee, and you know they'll come back for the ashes. So we will accommodate that.
it must be a very emotional time for people. I especially think of dogs and cats, you know, and I know the other pets mean an awful lot of people yeah. as well, but you know, your four-legged friend and the cat that's been in the house and lived with you there for perhaps 14, 15, 16 years or more. Yeah, I, I mean, I've two dogs myself. I've been through this, this situation with my own dog. My own dog passed away. Um, so I know exactly what they go through. I was very, very upset over my own dog. When people ask me about, you know, for certain, um, you know, if they want requests on a certain tie, I understand that because my two dogs at home have certain ties as well. They, I have every, everything in common with the people that use our services. Mm. Now, the reason you're here today is there's a bit of an extension of this because you cremate the pet, you're left with the ashes. Normally the ashes, do they go into an urn like human ashes or what do you do with them? Yeah, normally they would go into a, like, depending on what they would choose to do with the ashes, they'd have a wooden casket, a scatter tube or a tribute box. So it really depends on what people want, what, what they end up doing with the ashes. Uh, lately, it's changing a bit. There's, there's more requests. There's people want to keep a certain set of ashes because they want to go off to the favourite, you know, walk. Or, and now we, we've, we've had people who have requested to leave some ashes out for tattoos and um, well this is the thing that intrigues me say that again so people are taking the ashes from their pets a, a part of it yeah they're taking them to a tattoo parlor or artist and those ashes are actually being used to be made as part of the tattoo with the ink into the arm with the ink mixed in, in with the ink and it's tattooed as part of whatever tattoo um, and again I think it's just people being creative it's people, it's another, you know, souvenir, momentum that people can have for their pets and to keep them close to them. My God, talk about keeping them close under your skin. Yeah. They're there forever then. So this is something that's taken off. You can see this. More and more people are asking for this from More you. and more people are asking for this, yeah. And is it okay? I take it's hygienic and everything when the ashes are okay. Well, yeah, would there be no contamination from the ashes because they have to be, um, they're deemed okay when they're uh, cremated to a certain temperature. Okay, and, that's what we and you're guaranteeing that yeah. that happens anyway. Exactly. God, isn't it interesting? I, I remember, I think, I don't know whether I talked to you about it in the past, where people used to have a locket or something and they put maybe some hair from the animal or that into it to keep with them forever. Yeah, we would still get a lot do of... Do you do that yeah, as well? We, yeah, they, they would ask for a lock of hair to be kept before we do the cremation. Um, they would also ask for, you know, a paw print. We would we would do a print of their paw in a, in, in a cast clay. And it's lovely, it's priceless. You, you, you can't buy that. I really like that one out there. Yeah, it's, be- it's beautiful. That's something I'd consider. If, if I, when I look back, when I got the cremation done for my own dog, I wish I had these... Um, paw prints and yes. little bits God I remember just going back I have Messi now my Labrador God he'll be 8 would you believe it in, in April now he's a 1st of April dog yeah, he's an April fool I can tell you for sure at times when you see him in action at home and, and other places also but before him we had Jack and Jack was 11 I think when he died he had a, got a lump and it was cancerous and we had an operation and he lived for a year after but then he went but I remember my daughter Sarah going to the vets when he was being put asleep. Oh, it's a shocking time. Oh, it's horrific. It's, I mean, you can only describe it as losing a really close member of the family mm. because they are so... I mean, when I do a cremation, I try and visualise that pet sitting on their sofa two days previous or a day previous and that's the way I visualise it because they are part of the family. Mm. And I'm thinking, as by extension, what I was going to say after that was... 
She said to me, can we bring him back to the house and bury him in the garden out Glen, a Labrador? It's a JCB job. Yeah, it's... And, it's, and a hole, isn't it, yeah, for, for, for yeah, a dog like yeah, that, that size? Yeah. So I had to say, and I felt terrible at the time to say, no, we can't do it. We may leave it to the vet to, to look after it. But you see, you weren't round at that stage. You hadn't. No. You started off the next year, I think, in your business Possibly, as well. Possibly, yeah. Um, now, a lot of people, for the likes of a big dog, they will bury the ashes because it, it would be a lot easier to bury the yeah, ashes. Yeah, yeah, and, and that would have been the solution for, for us at the time yeah. as well. Um, is there any limit to what can happen beyond this? Do you think the tattooing is sort of the final frontier, really, for this, and what you can do with ashes? I think as long as people are being creative, they will ask for, you know, Google is there, so... And I'd say it's probably happened further afield, like in America. It's probably happened mm. two or three years before we ever found out about it. Yeah. So I think we. I think this is only the start of it. Mm. I think people are going to be very creative um, with keeping their pets. So watch this space now. An even sadder angle, if I can put it to you. You know, people who have companion dogs who give them mobility. I think people, you know, the guide dogs for the blind, also children with autism, yes. things like that. Yes people like that become even closer. Like, the dog is nearly an extension of themselves. That must be the most harrowing. Is it experience? It, it is. I mean, going on experience, um, on, once, on one individual cremation we done for um, um, a blind person, it was horrific. It was that person relied on that dog. He was supposed to hand the dog back over after a certain period, but he kept the dog as a pet still working as a guide dog and it was just I mean my heart went out to him mm-hmm. um, it's just horrific for him uh, first of all losing somebody a, a dog that he relied on on a daily basis to a companion as well mm. the ashes themselves I mentioned the are and there people keep them some people I, pre- I presume keep them in their houses and, and, and keep them there for good o- other people you mentioned the scattering them maybe along a popular area where they walked or that as well is that the general thrust does anyone inter them are there such things I mean, just by extension as pet cemeteries anymore there's not um, I think there was one a few years ago um, and then they I think it was closed because they weren't sure of contamination um, so the most hygienic thing recommended at this moment is is cremation. Okay, so that is the best route to go, really. For, yes, yeah. for cremation. Yeah. Are you? You're obviously the only one in this neck of the woods. Does anyone else do this in the country? Um, I think since we started, there has been one or two um, crematoriums that have started up. I think in the last year. Okay, but you're busy, busy, plenty We're of busy, demand, busy. lots of calls from all over the yeah, country. Yeah, we keep going. I mean, our goal is to make sure if somebody loses their pet, mm. that we make it as easy and pain-free for them as possible. Is it a tough business? Like, we've, we've talked a lot here about missing the pet, emotion, the sadness that's involved. Is, is it tough on you? I get a great enjoyment out of seeing the people when I give the ashes back. Um, you never get used to it. You just get a bit better at it. Mm. But it's uh, it's it's a great service, I have to say, you provide. And yeah. and I know how much people appreciate you. I've seen people commenting and uh, thanking you as well. And that must be reassuring that's for you when you get that. That's great for me. Yeah. I, I, that's, what, that's the enjoyment I get out of it. Mm. Terrific, terrific. If people want to find out more about you, or oh, put the number handy. You know, you just never know the day or you hear of somebody that that's looking to, you know, have their pet cremated. How do they contact they you? They can contact us through the Paw Prince Facebook page. They can call the uh, the 
office number, which is 016409901, um, or they can send um, a message to 87 um, We will contact them um, if they need any information. Glenn, lovely to meet you again on Late Lunch this Great. afternoon uh, with this update and, and interesting new developments in this whole area. Continued success with what you're doing. Thanks a million, Glenn. Thank, Thank you. Anyway, that's almost our lot on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. Have a nice evening. See you tomorrow at half one for a brand new Late Lunch.